0: Hello and hey, welcome all to the one v one show. It's your boy G O U E Flow welcoming you to the place. All things niche, nerd, and pop culture. We got a dope show for you today. We're gonna to talk about everything that's new this week that happened in pop culture. Now, as always, let me introduce the man behind the boards, my co-host, Mikey, aka Hyphy Soul.
1: What's up, everyone? If you're new to the one v one show and what we do here. How we conduct the show is by starting off with 10 topics from the news this of this week regarding Sony's acquisition, Shovel Knight, and The Godfather. Each of those topics will have a timer of 5 minutes with the last two topics just being a little longer, maybe 7 to 10 minutes. And after that, we'll be discussing our top 5, and for this week, it will be about space characters. Who are your favorite space characters? And we don't end there. Finishing off today's episode will be our 1v1 showdown, where we, where Gio and our guest host will take sides on a debate. And the debate today is, uh, wait, what the heck? Oh, is Hollywood unoriginal? We'll find out. And if you like what we do here, please give us a follow on our socials on Instagram, Twitter, and you can support us on Patreon, where we have three tiers. $3 will get you a roll credit at the end of the show. $5 will let you submit any topic that you want. And $10, you can sponsor us by plugging anything you want as long as it's appropriate. But the best way to support us is by participating in the chat. And big announcement. So we're a video podcast, right? Yet we don't have an audio podcast out there. That is until now. We are currently on Spotify and Stitcher. And we are currently working on iTunes and Google Music. So if you aren't able to catch us live on either Twitch or YouTube, you can find us there. Just know that the post show won't make it to the audio portion. So be sure to tune in to the live broadcast for that. And as mentioned, as we have a last-minute guest replacement, because our original guest is in the Hollywood industry, and it turns out there are protocols in place for a Hollywood employee to appear on a podcast. And we didn't know that. But hopefully, Hollywood will, will approve their appearance, and we'll hear from them eventually in the future episode. And for today's guests, you may remember them from last season, where they had a very... Interesting take on Eternals. It made me reconsider watching it with a different perspective because I wasn't so high on it. And it's not just one guest, but two. Our first guest is into Marvel Comics, MCU movies, and is above average Star Wars nerd. And it is a Disney adult and proud. A sneaker head and a Lego VIP member. And the other guest is an anime lover. A Nintendo nerd since the tender age of five. And has the p- potential to become the best artist ever. Please welcome Josh and Jennifer.
2: And we are not famous, so we can talk all we want. Yeah, not in the
1: industry
3: (laughs) at all, but that'll do.
1: All right, so, uh, yeah, how was your guys' week? Pretty mellow, nothing crazy going on.
3: We're we're looking for a new apartment. Nice. Yeah.
0: thanks for like being willing to hop in last minute because like i was scrambling like ah when i (laughs) I needed to find a new guest because we got you know like i said like things happened last minute and you know josh and jen pretty much pulled us out of the fire at the last second so once again thank you for that Mm -hmm.
2: yeah like we were scrambling no No, thank you so much for having us on the show again i mean we had so much fun last time so when I got the text that uh, Gio had asked, I was like, "Yes, please respond." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right, and uh, so what sure. that, let's just get the show started with our first topic of the day. Geo, what is going on with Alice in Wonderland? It's a different story. Alice not in Disney?
0: Wonderland. Now, this ain't the Disney version. All right, this ain't this ain't no Disney version either. The Original, not the original, but the first animated one or the live action with Johnny Depp. This is much darker. This is American McGee's Alice. And after basically, what, 22 years ago, now when they threw the storybook adventure on its bloody hell, bloody head, uh, American McGee's Alice is making the jump to the small screen. So this is according to the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Radar Pictures has picked up the TV rights and hired David Hayter. Who wrote adaptations for X Men and Warrior Nun to make an adaptation alongside a, bad, a, a abandoned entertainment yet? So they don't have a network or a streaming service to the project yet. But for me, one of the things that's very interesting about this is that one David Hayter, if you don't know who that is, that's the voice of Solid Snake. I never knew he was a writer. I always just assumed he was a a voice actor, which is you no. Know, that's pretty interesting to me. But also, if you've never seen American McGee's Alice, it is... So they tried to make a darker version of Alice in Wonderland, Disney did, with the live actions, and they were still pretty PG. This is very much all the way R. With Alice, like, if you see the, the images of the game, it's her holding a bloody knife. The Cheshire Cat looks like he's all bones. It's, it's very much the dark, twisted, gory version of Alice in Wonderland. So I'm excited for it because I remember as a kid, and I rem- this, is one of, this is a memory that is like locked in my head, but I remember seeing the cover of this game when I was at Costco with my mom because I don't know if you remember back when they had PC games, like people didn't download PC games from Steam. They had that big old table at Costco that had all the computer games. And I remember that game caught my eye. And just the... the, the, the the image of the cheshire cat just looking all like skin and bones and just smiling at you just kind of left me like ah it's like a 10 year old i was like ah that's creepy but yeah have you all have you all uh, heard of this this adaptation have you seen these games before
2: i have seen the games before just because i think it kind of had a bit of a boom during the emo phase back in like 2000 2004 <laughs> So I would see pictures of it and people putting it on my their MySpace page, but I've actually never played it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they live, but I, I think that it's interesting to see a different take like that and it kind of being more gruesome and, like, like darker. I think yeah. that something that's pretty cool just to see it kind of evolve because not everything, like, is fun. And it's all bubbly and stuff like that. So I think that would be really cool to see. The take and like how it all you know comes together with it being like a little bit more darker take on on things.
2: I think also a lot of productions are putting out variations. I mean, even though this did come out previously, if you look at Disney, like you had mentioned with Alice in Wonderland, but then you also have the spinoff of Beauty and uh, I'm sorry, Sleeping Beauty with Maleficent and. Things like that, so uh, I'm I'm really excited just to see what kind of take they they will spin with this Alice. Yeah,
0: because I, I, I feel like Disney always tries to make like like a darker take on their well, their not properties because they're mostly public domain, but mm-hmm. the franchise that they have made movies off of. But it always seems like a, a like a half step. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a little creepy. It's a little darker, but like I, I appreciate that this is the chance for them for someone to take the uh, Alice in Wonderland story and just go full close to the wall, R-rated throttle on it, because you know, the second, because there was a second game, and even though it was kind of mixed reviews, like people uh, really liked the story and the atmosphere, but the gameplay was kind of eh, but if you can take that atmosphere and story and adapt it to the small screen and not really have to worry about like the gameplay about it, I think this could this could be a big thing yeah um, sure. There's a lot of big like like dark themes that you know happen in this and i think if i say any of them it'll spoil some of the story so i'm gonna keep mm-hmm. quiet on that but i'm i'm excited for this because yeah. i'm yeah go, oh go ahead
2: no i just it kind of just i realized it i don't know if you guys ever watched the film pride and prejudice and zombies but it just re- totally reminded me of that as well just because there's a book, Pride and Prejudice, and then it's just totally a, a romance, a witty novel, but then they threw in zombies, and it just totally upped the ante and made it more gory and fun. So, I don't know. I think it can be something that has a lot of good potential to, to it.
3: Yeah, I think nice. a good point with a, a Disney will do stuff, but they they kind of towed the line of of not going too dark, and I think it would be really cool to really see them and like you said, just go all out and like just go for it, you
0: know. But um, I was gonna say I I have heard of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and I did not watch it because I actually really hate that book. No, it's That's
2: I, my I, favorite,
0: favorite book. Book. I'm sorry, Jen, but you, I do you not like it. Okay. Uh, at least like once a month.
2: It's okay. I remember I kind of shat on um Bunny Girl Senpai, and and so that that you know. Wait, did, you, did
0: you watch it or did you just assume things about it and not...
2: I watched a couple episodes. I just did not... I couldn't get out. Oh, if it gets better later on, I just... Hold on. Got to a point where she got up
0: um, like, go and out. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Be told. Be told. <laughs> you, you, you do not disrespect Bunny Girl Senpai in this house. I'm sorry. We, not, we will not have any slander of my Sakurajima. She is the goddess. This is the church of Bunny Girl Senpai. I will not have no heresy in this house.
1: Technically they're they're in their own house.
0: Shut up, you God. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean what do you mean what was bad about it?
2: It just, maybe it just didn't grab my attention. I think it appeals to a certain audience at the beginning and I just was not that audience.
0: I he he was. He
2: definitely was.
0: I'm just looking at, now I'm looking at the comments. Geo immediately regretting this <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what? Well, we'll uh, a certain audience. Yeah, what kind of audience is that? <laughs> Uh, let's move on before i start to scream and speaking of scream
2: yes
0: so
2: they are coming out with a new uh, scream and where can the series go especially with the passing of wes craven there are two new uh directors set up to create the film or have who have created the film um, we have Matt benley Open and Tyler Gillette, and they're pretty much owing any success of the film to the late director, saying anything that they did right is all thanks to him. It was a huge box office hit. Uh came it out with, I believe, $100 million at the box office.
0: But oh, what? Sorry, I couldn't hear you
2: oh sorry it came it was a huge box office hit it came out with about a hundred million at the box office last week
0: yeah it actually dethroned spider-man yeah spider-man's been out for a minute so <laughs> I mean still that that was a big movie I mean eventually
3: eventually yes. anyways yeah. I'm pretty excited about this I think that like I for me, when watching these types of movies that just involves suspense, you know, you really want it to keep you on the edge of your seat. And I think that for me, these kind of movies could either go, they could be done really well where I'm in, like engaged and I'm really kind of like, what's going to happen next? Or it gets really corny and I'm kind of like, are we, you know, is this really what this movie's about? So. I think that if they do it right and they keep going the way that they're going and just, you know, build up the suspense that they have in other uh, versions of the movie. I think they could keep going and, you know, they'll do well.
0: I think for me, right, if you look at horror genres in general, the thing is, we're on the, this would be the sixth Scream movie. Like by, by most, by most, what's the word I'm looking for? By most, most horror series. Once you start getting into the multiple spin-offs, you start getting fatigue. You start seeing less returns on the story. And maybe or even on the quality, right? We look at things like let's say paranormal activity. The first one, you know, was like people like loved it. It was a phenomenon. People like were like, yo, this movie looks sick. It's dope. It's something different. You get to the second one, and I would say people still kind of enjoyed it, and it still was a hit. But People are like, well, it's not as good as the first one. And then you start getting into the third one, the fourth one, the spin off. And then by then, people just get bored. Same thing with Saw. Like, I think the first Saw is like a fantastic movie. But by the time you get to like, what, Spiral, the Chris Walk one, which was like, it was a flop and universally panned, it, how do you keep relevant in the horror story? And I think Saw, and not Saw, I think Scream has been able to do that because. It's been able to keep up with the times, but also the, the kind of the point of Scream is that it's like a meta commentary on horror itself. So I would say even if you've only seen the first one, if you haven't seen two, three, four, um, I would say five is worth a watch. I think me and Mikey talked about this about two or three weeks ago on the show about how you know he's he watched all the series. I've seen one and two and three, but I don't really remember two and three. And I didn't see four, but I still had a good time watching it.
2: Yeah, for me, I think that, as you mentioned earlier, the first one is always, it brings you something fresh, something new. For example, The Conjuring. The first one was just amazing, in my opinion. But then after the second one, and The Nun, and all these different variations, it just got a little tiresome. I think that also having these two new Filmmakers on board gives it another kind of fresh take on the old story.
0: Yeah. I mean, you brought up The Conjuring, and isn't Annabelle a part of that universe too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you have The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2. There's like what, three Annabelle movies?
2: Yeah.
0: And then there's The Nun, and it's just like so much to like, all right, we've had enough of this. We're kind of bored. I think also. the Purge, like, was the same thing. Like, it was a cool concept at first, and then it just got boring. And I think they they tried to make it relevant again with making it, like, social commentary on the times with, you know, the 2016 election mm-hmm. and Trumpism and stuff like that. They tried to go into more of a political social commentary angle. And even then, it was still kind of like,
2: eh,
0: eh, eh. But. To
2: be honest, I never watched the first Purge. It gave me so much anxiety that I think after about 15 minutes, I was I'm done.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first one. I like the second one. But then it just started kind of, I don't know. It's tough. Like, it's tough to gauge when they should be like, all right, this is going to be like a straight to streaming movie. Because there is still an audience that wants to see them. But it's just not, you know, in the masses of like, let's go ahead and put this out in theaters.
0: Hey, have y'all have you seen the movie Mother?
2: No, the one with um, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. No, but I hear it, I was considering watching it, but I get anxiety with really gruesome stories, and I hear that it was very, very gruesome.
0: gruesome. <laughs> anxiety on like eleven. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I
0: could. That movie was very. No. <laughs> Well, it, it, so, well, basically, it doesn't start out bad, but once you, it's like a roller coaster. You got a steady, like, do, 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 and you're going to reach your peak and just, oh, wow. Ah.
2: <laughs> yeah, honestly, whenever it has to do with gore, I love horror as far as paranormal, but any type of gore, like zombie films, just drive my anxiety through the roof.
0: For sure. Well, I, just, I wouldn't recommend Mother then. <laughs> Anyways, moving on from the from the paranormal and the gory to the well, I guess we could say the music the music industry. So Neil Young. Now I know that none we talked about this before the show. Neither of us really know who Neil Young is. Neil Young was a rocker from the seventies. Now where he pretty much you know, I don't know much about his story, but from where I know him from is that he made an album Called uh, Southern Man, right? Now this was in this was actually in 1970. And Southern Man, what it was, it, it took the South to task for its history or for its history on slavery and the aftermath. And the song "Sweet Home Alabama" by Leonard Skynyrd, they had a line where they said, uh, "Southern Man don't need Neil Young or something, something along the lines." I think it was. Southern man don't need Neil Young around no more or something like that. Honestly, this is kind of like if from what I can think of, this is kind of the earliest diss track that I've heard of. So Neil Young, that's where he kind of gets a lot of his like pop culture mainframe main, fame, mainframe his frame, his fame from. Now, uh, what was I saying? So he said that he wants to remove all of his music from Spotify. Because of Joe Rogan and the fact that Spotify has Joe Rogan under payroll. He's their number one podcaster. And he's been, he says that they've been spread, he's been spreading misinformation about the vaccine. Um, so not only is he the only one to ask to have his music removed. But here's a list of other artists. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, failure which I've never heard of them. They're a band. Uh, Graham Nash, Indy Ari, uh Joni Mitchell, uh, Nils Lofgren. And I believe that's it for right now. So it's a lot of more older contemporary music artists, like stuff that really like our generation wouldn't really listen to. I mean, I'm not saying that we don't, but... Not It's not in particular mainstream what our generation would listen to. And it definitely wouldn't be what the generation below us listen to. So my question to you is, how much of an impact is this really making? Do you think that this can make a change? Spotify Respond, what could they do?
2: I, you know, Joe Rogan's podcast, I, I'm a podcast listener myself, not of Joe Rogan's podcast, but you know, Spotify is my pretty much main source of podcast uh, entertainment. And I always look for new things to listen to. And Joe Rogan's has stayed steady at the top for months. So I don't know if Spotify would be willing to take on a new policy regarding misinformation, just because he is such a highlight and prominent podcaster in Spotify's community. That being said, I do I appreciate them taking a stand for what they believe in. I mean, no act is too small if you stand for your what you believe is right.
3: Yeah, I think that like it's, it's interesting because there's definitely that generational gap where it's like, who the hell is Neil Young? Like, I've never heard of him. But at the same time, everyone right now is kind of, if they have a stance on something and they want their voice to be heard, like they do something, they do an action to kind of say, this is my take on it. And if it makes an impact it doesn't make an impact. Like I'm going to make sure that my voice is heard. So there's kind of that weird like connection there where it's like, I'm sure some of the younger generation could look at what he's doing and then agree with like, all right, like, yeah, this old man's like taking a stand and being like, take my music off of that streaming service. So it's like, everyone has a right to do it, I guess. I guess it's just like, Whether or not, I don't know if that'll lose him money necessarily. Like, I don't know what it looks like as a financial move. But, like, at the end of the day, if he wants to do it, he can do it. And it's his music, so it's, like, whatever. Like, if you want to do it, then go for it and kind of go from there to see what happens, I guess.
0: How do you think, like, Apple Music and Tidal, uh, do you think they're looking at this and possibly considering, like, maybe we should not have certain podcasts on our platform Maybe in a permanent move, like we're not going to have Joe Rogan because, well, or we're not going to ask anyone. I'm trying to think of someone else controversial, someone like, I don't know if any of you have heard of Joe Budden, who is also kind of a controversial figure in the podcasting world. But, you know, maybe we'll stay away from people like this, that even though they make, you know, they have numbers, you know, is it worth the bad publicity? Or is it worth, you know, having artists pull their music off our platform?
3: Yeah, I think that the, like, like Apple Music and stuff like that, they're probably wanting this to all just kind of be, like, they kind of probably want everything to kind of blow over. They kind of don't want it to go any deeper than what it is, because if they, if it does reach that point where a lot of people are joining that movement or wanting to pull their stuff off and pushing Apple or Spotify to make certain requirements of what can and what can't be on their streaming services... I think that that's where it gets a little dicey because then it starts going into people. Some people have podcasts because they just want to speak their mind. It's the freedom of speech to just say whatever they want to say and have whoever listen to whatever they want to say if they want to. If they don't want to listen, then, you know, jump off and go somewhere else. But it's like it's going to be tough for them to kind of navigate through. Okay, we're going to keep you, but we're not going to keep you because you know how it is with. People diving into social media and they could easily pull up something from 10 years ago and be like, oh, so Apple supports this person. But did they know that that person did, you know, X, Y, Z 10 years ago? And now, it's you know, they're on the wrong side of the fence. So it's, I think they're kind of hoping that this blows over and it doesn't get bigger than what it is, because if it does, then they're going to have to make some tough decisions. It's sure. also
2: a fine line of censorship as well. Not saying that I support the misinformation. Um, but, you know, there are certain reaches that should be, uh, you know, as far as me, I am a journalist or I was a journalism major, but I got a degree in journalism and censorship is such a huge thing. Um, misinformation should, you know, never be something that people get their feed from. And unfortunately it will always be the case, but it just, it, it's a matter of, of opinion. I think is more, how are they going to obtain their news? So Joe Rogan has misinformation about this, but maybe he has a different stance on something else. Um, and just reaching out to different uh, news outlets. Like Joe Rogan is not a news person or, or by any means. He's, he doesn't deliver news. He does, He's not a scientist. So if people are listening to him in the same way that people were listening to Trump, and like taking it as gospel, I think that just goes to show like the type of person they are. Then, you know what who Joe Rogan is. I don't. Know.
0: Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, Zombie Bay in the chat says Meghan Markle and Prince Harry have also raised really concerns over Spotify and COVID nineteen misinformation. I mean, granted, I think this it boils down to the same issue. Like, do like I I think we know who Meghan Markle and. Prince Harry are, and we've seen kind of the stand they've taken against the royal family, so it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, good for them, but young, do younger people really care about them? Nah, nah I don't think so. I think, you know, I, I work with kids, and, you know, kids be like, who the, who the hell is that? Like, we don't care what they think. Um, also, uh, Zombie Bait also says, Young also had polio when he was a kid, so it seems like this seems like a, a kind of a deeply personal thing for him, because you know, the polio vaccine was something that you know, could prevent people from going through what he went through. And he probably has good reason to be pissed off at what Joe Rogan is saying. So, definitely, definitely, definitely. But you know what they say when it comes to an argument that it takes two to tangle. So, speaking of which, tell me what's up with It Takes Two, the video game. So, It Takes Two is actually one of the
3: best games in 2021. In fact, it took home a top accolade at Game Awards in December. Um, so, the the story is that now there's a movie in the works. So the game, kind of, for those that don't know, the game, um, it puts you in the shoes of Cody and May. It's a bickering couple on the verge of divorce, and the daughter, <clears throat> upset about the situation, accidentally casts a magical spell, and puts the parents and shrinking them down and forcing them to work together to navigate through the world of toys and inanimate objects. So... I think for me, just kind of knowing about the game and the backstory and stuff like that, it translating to, to a movie, I think would be pretty interesting, just because this automatically throws me back to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I remember watching that movie, you know, a few times when I was a kid, and just being like, it's so cool, like how they I like the way that the set, and like the way they blew things up, writing the ant and everything. Um, what was the treat? What Was it like a Uh, or something like that that they like dig into when they're like they find it like out you know what I'm talking about like they're eating it and it's like so big so anyways I just think that it's like really cool those movies when they blow stuff up and you're kind of like having these kids walk through and kind of figure things out and the whole story is taking place in just like the backyard so that kind of translating to this game and the roles being reversed for now the parents are the small ones I think it, it could do really well we'll just kind of see how it goes but I think that for it being what it is and knowing how well Honey, I Shrunk the Kids did, I think that this one has some potential to see, you know, it doing just as well. All
0: right. Sorry, I I was a little bit distracted because I I moved my head. (laughs) And then I was like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) Uh, And I I think my brother put this in my room. It's a Groot doll with a wig on it. I don't know where that wig is from, but that freaked me the hell out for a second. Um, but yeah, going back to your point of uh, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." I mean, isn't Disney making? Aren't they making a revival themselves, also?
2: Yeah, I think I heard some news about that. To be honest, I've never actually seen "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." I know that was like such a big '90s film. What? I think it was the '90s. I don't even remember. I, I, I like more animated stuff as a kid. <laughs> But um, I honestly I saw I don't know much about the video game but I did watch a, a trailer of it and I think that there are several themes that would kind of translate so well as far as like a film and I think that's something that's going to be fun to look forward to. It's like, like it seems like it would be an, a nice family film and how to overcome certain hurdles and not let hate be the drive.
0: You kind of you kind of got muted there at the end, Jen.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm. I was just saying that it would be a nice film. Uh, I think it would be a nice family film. I can imagine it being that, and just with a motive of how people can overcome and not let hate be a drive.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. uh, also it's one of those things where it it, it could be a bridge. For someone to take their, you know, for younger younger children, not younger, but, like, kids to watch this movie with their parents, and it could be a bridge to kind of explain what it is with, you know, divorce and your parents and what that means and the implications and why sometimes it's not just a bad thing, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's better for everyone in the long run, or even, you know, it could be one of those things where it's like, you know, maybe... You know, we have to look, the parents would have to look within themselves and be like, okay, like maybe we should stop overreacting and talk this out. And, you know, I think it's a, it, it's got a good message. I'm excited. I, I haven't played it at Stakes 2, but everything that I've seen and looked about it, it looks fantastic, like a co-op 3D platformer. And we talked about this. I think the cool thing, because the guy who made this game, Joseph Harris, he has done A Way Out. And Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which are also co-op games. And a lot of the times with the games that he makes, it does this thing where you don't need to have both people have the game. Just one person needs a copy of the game and then they can send a code to their friends so they can play together online.
3: Which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I do think that is pretty cool that you know if they I think more people would probably buy more games if they knew that they had to have a co-op person to play with, you know, you split the, split it down the middle. Like, all right, we'll go half on this game. I think that's pretty cool. But it, it, this is going to suck for the people that don't have friends and they're not going to be able to play. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. But I am, like you had mentioned, it's I come from a background where my parents divorced, and I, you know, it can scar people. It can scar people, or it can help. And in, in my situation, it definitely helped. I was actually very happy when they separated. Um so I think that this can also be a solace for young children who are experiencing similar battles at the home.
0: All right. All right, let's move on to the next story. Now, Shovel Knight. Very popular game, very popular series. Uh they're pu- not publisher, developer Yacht Club yeah, Yacht Club Games. Uh they pre- they had a a a Nintendo direct style stream yesterday and it pretty much gave us the viewers a whole idea of what they have down the pipeline what they have coming out and the first thing is that shovel knight pocket dungeon was which, which is essentially a puzzle version of shovel knight is getting a free update and dlc uh, the free update pretty much uh controls how fast it gives you control over how fast the board fills up when you fall in battle it gives you multiplayer tips new portraits for the characters more transparency for the CPU level, and also launching three, three, uh, three uh, DLC packs with online versus mod support, new characters, enemies, bosses, items, and secrets. Which you know, I've never played uh, Pocket Dungeon. I have played the original Shovel Knight, but uh, watching the video, this very much looks like kind of like a Pokemon Puzzle League style game. Like, with not Tetris, but more of, like, Tetris Attacks or Puyo Puyo. But the big news that they came out is they're finally publishing their first non-Shovel Knight game in forever. And it's essentially a sixteen, a 60, uh, 60 FPS Game Boy Color homage called Mina the Hollower. Where you play as this mouse named Mina, who is an adventurer going into this kingdom that has seen basically gone run amok because her friend the king has sent her a letter saying that the engine that she built for them is now running amok and monsters are taking over the island. So it's very much like Game Boy Color, Link's Awakening style games. Have either of you ever played Shovel Knight or heard of it?
2: I have heard of Shovel Knight. I've never played it, although I I am familiar with the the more retro style software and, and feel of it.
3: <clears throat> but you know. Yeah. Same. I mean, I think for me like I'm a fan of the retro style gaming when the 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 Nintendo, the Super Nintendo and the, the when they came out with like those little retro the mini ones, you know? We got both of them here at the house and then we still have our GameCube and I even built a Lego set um of the original Nintendo gaming system, but I'm a fan of of the retro gaming um systems and and how they We're using them nowadays, you know what I mean? I think there's so much you can get out of those games where it's just simple. It's simple gameplay, the graphics are what they are, and sometimes I feel like they have a better storyline because they had to rely more on that as opposed to the graphics in some cases.
0: Right. I think for me, I want to say I'm sick of the retro-style games because I do like Shovel Knight. I I bought it for the Wii U, which shows you how old this game is. I bought it for the Wii U, I played it. I didn't beat it, but I, I played through most of it. I loved it. I think I just got... I got another game that pretty much my attention away from it. But then they started coming out with the DLC packs and Shovel Knight kind of kicked off. Well, I wouldn't say kicked off, but it was the peak of retro revival games where we see games in this pixelated art style 2D platformers coming from all these indie studios. where We are trying to recreate the Super Nintendo and the regular Nintendo. But I think for me, after a while, I was like, you know what I want to see? If all these studios are doing 2D platformers. I want to see more studios try to take on a 3D platformer, like the N64-style games. Like your mm-hmm. Mario 64, your Banjo-Kazooie, your Conker's Bad Fur Day, uh, Gex, I don't know. Uh, all those mascot platformers from, I want to say, the N64 and early PS2-era games is what I want to see more. So I wouldn't say I'm sick of it, and I think this Mina, the Hollower game, looks dope because I, I, it does do it does really remind me of A Link's Awakening, which was the Game Boy game. But you know what would have made me more excited if they would have announced Shovel Knight sixty four. <laughs> I, I think that would have been like,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree in the. This may be a hot take, but I just I do like where Nintendo's going as far as not having everything be so linear and similar. Uh with the start of it being Breath of the Wild. I mean, that was is probably hands down like one of my favorite, like my top one of my top three Zelda games. And I think it's just because it's so different and so unique and just it the ante and so that's why you see things like uh our Ar- legends arceus coming out and where it's non-linear i guess it's the linear but not in the same way and trying to be a little bit better as far as graphics i mean it's nintendo so you got to give it you know credit where credit's due but i mean i definitely like the the way that it, at least as far as nintendo is heading like toward the future and then kind of giving a nod to the the nostalgia factor but I don't know. I just appreciate the new the newness of it.
0: For sure. Um Zombie Bay in the chat says probably around 10 years from now a studio will at the moment studios are big on 16-bit games. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean I can see that. It's like anything they're just going with what they can within their limitations, but you know we have seen some studios try to attempt to do this. For example, uh Platonic Games about What was how long ago was it ago now? Three years ago, put out ukulele, which they were a lot of the the rare developers who left Rare, formed their own studios, and they tried to make an homage to banjo kazooie in Donkey Kong 64, which got mixed reviews, mixed to positive. So they still haven't perfected the formula, but hope I would like to see more studios try to give that style game a bit more of a. You know of a shot, because even though i the n- the Super Nintendo was my first console, like it was really the n sixty four where I really have my most fond memories
2: but yeah anyways. I mean, it is the Godfather of games, right <laughs> the gaming console <laughs> but that being said, let's talk about the Godfather um, wow. so there's... <laughs> there's a new uh ten episode series being put out by i believe it's paramount plus called the offer it's going to star miles teller and um juno temple and it's pretty much based off of the making of the godfather films or film rather and it's pretty interesting I i mean it's gonna have different uh people in it that star as like the or that are going to play, like, people that we know, for example, Francis Ford Coppola and, uh, you know, Albert S. Ruddy. So it's pretty much just following his attempt to make The Godfather and where it's going to go. Uh, Fun fact, it did have uh, Army Hammer in it, and he was replaced by Miles Teller because of the the stuff that he did. You
0: said you don't know what he's done, right? No. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Right. <laughs> All
0: right. So Army Hammer is basically he fetishizes cannibalism.
2: Yeah. And what? He's, So he's he's married, and I mean, I guess if they have an open relationship, it is what it is. But it's what he was telling his uh, other, uh, I, for lack of a better term, mistresses, what he wanted to do to them, like drink their blood and and. Perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> yikes! I don't I mean, know there's,
0: there's know. screenshots of DMs of him basically saying, uh, "I'm going to think about breaking your bones," and oh my god, oh my god! I'm reading the I'm reading the DMs now. If I do in a vegetative state, I would keep you, feed you, wash you, and keep. Wow, yo, like this guy is crazy. Army Hammer is for sure nuts. Yeah, and he, you know, and I think, you know, moving aside from him, the story and like, good thing he got replaced because that man is nuts. But oh, uh, zombie bait in the chat says, "WTF?" Yeah, if you look up Army Hammer, and then in the news, you'll find some, you'll you'll find some stuff about him that will be shocking to say the least. But moving away from him, I think, for me, I'm excited about this. I've only seen the first Godfather, and everyone always gasps at me when, when I say, oh, I've never seen Godfather 2. They're like, oh, have you not seen Godfather 2? It's one of the best movies of all time, blah, blah, blah. I get that. See, I'm just, I'm just bad at watching stuff. I have a long list of a backlog of stuff. Now, I, I'm always very interested in these behind-the-scene dramatizations of Hollywood and what is the story behind the story. I'm excited about it to see how, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of how the politics in play, because when you watch the trailer, the movie is being made and they're saying like, no, we don't want to do it. Like old Hollywood, old Hollywood gangster movies are done. Like those are never going to be come back in style. Like you got to do something new. And it's the story of how it was being made despite the odds. Like we, me and Mikey recently watched last year, well, I wouldn't say recently, but last year we watched uh, the What was the name of the movie? The Lucy, Lucy, Lucille Ball movie? Becoming the Arnezes? Yeah. Yeah, we watched that and I I very much enjoyed it because it is the back, because you see kind of the facade, not the facade, but this. I love Lucy and you see this couple and what you see on TV, but now you get to see the real story. I'm excited for all of this. Um, Oh, that's nice. Samantha says, It's okay, Gio. I've only seen the first Godfather 2. Yeah, so.
2: Yeah, I'll give give you one better. I've not seen any of them.
0: (laughs) Oh really? What about you, Josh? No, (laughs) neither have I. Oh, I'm not going to give you. I'm not going to give you too much crap for it. I
2: mean, Uh, I've seen like the. I know certain parts of it because it's it's such a brilliant film that every like other type of genre has to reference it. So I know like certain things like for example, the horse head and you know the the you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. So like there are certain things I know about the film. I just I've never seen it.
0: From Zootopia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 one of those quintessential movies that if you consider yourself a film buff then, you know, you have to see it because yeah. it's always so parodied and quoted and Marlon Brando you know, some people say that it's his finest performance. Really? So, yeah. Anyways, Did let's anyone... move on from that. Uh Moving on to something spooky. Ghostwire Tokyo. Sony has pulled back the current on this game. See, the thing about Ghostwire Tokyo that is also very interesting, because similarly to Deathloop, which came out last year, it is a Tango... TangoWorks video game. Now, if you don't know what that means, it's they're a Bethesda studio and Xbox purchased Bethesda last year. So essentially, this is an Xbox Studios game being published exclusively for the PlayStation 5, which is always kind of confusing, but we'll get more on the video game acquisition politicking a little bit later. But we've, uh, They've given a they uh, they pulled back with a St- Sony state of play where they preview 10 minutes of gameplay and it explores Tokyo after it's been taken over by supernatural forces with the entire population vanishing. So in the game it plays first, like a first person I would say it's almost BioShock if either of you've ever heard of BioShock or played BioShock where you have essentially first person but instead of just weapons you're using powers. You use this power called a, the- a the- ethereal weaving where you channel raw wind, fire and water ether to battle these, these ghosts and the, the story is it's a first person perspective, you play Akito, who can use psychic and paranormal activities to defeat these, these creatures that are haunting the city and what I, what I really enjoy about it is there's something to be said about Japanese horror to where even back, I want to say in the mid, mid-2000s we started getting a lot of Hollywood movies that were taking inspiration from Japanese horror. You had The Ring, you had uh, One Miss Call, you had. Oh, what's the other one? The Grudge, right? And you have you have all of Hollywood kind of taking from Japanese horror, and you have all these different demons and ghosts, and they to me they look creepier than most American demons and American ghosts. What do you all think? Have, do you have experience watching these movies?
2: Oh yes, those are some of the most terrifying movies of my childhood: The Ring, The Grudge. I, yeah. And the thing is that I actually watched both the American version and the Japanese version because my brother <clears throat> was really into Japanese horror films. Yeah. And I think it's just there's just something about Japanese horror. I think they also came out with the the show The Grudge. I don't know if you saw that. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. There's okay. a show and it's it's terrifying. I
3: think those movies just do like those movies and shows do a good job of just making and your skin crawl. Unsettling. Where you're just like, oh my gosh, like you know what I mean? Like you get chills, full-body chills when you just like watch stuff like that. But that show um that was on Netflix, there's like there's one scene that's like insane. Like, no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> but it's just like definitely when you watch it, it's something that you'll see and you're kind of like I've never seen anything like this in my life, and I didn't think—I didn't even know I could think about watching something like this because it's just that, like, creepy and like skin crawling. And like, when you're watching it, it, just makes you kind
0: of just. What about horror video games? What's your experience with those?
2: I played a couple. Uh, I've never finished one, um, but I played Outlast, and sure. I have played by bi- played Biohazard, Resident Evil. Um, and I just, I do very poorly with them just because, as I mentioned earlier, I have anxiety and so I get, my nerves get the best of me and I think I've played maybe 15 minutes of both of those games, but those 15 minutes of gameplay extended to like two hours just because I literally could not inch forward. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so what you're telling me is you'd never play uh resident evil in VR.
2: Oh gosh. No. <laughs> I mean, see, here's the thing. It's so funny because I love watching horror films uh, or watching horror shows, but when it comes over to like me being like the first person experience of them and there's just something that I, I cannot deal with. <laughs>
3: Yeah, my brother played a lot of those games growing up, and like I was never really into them. The only kind of horror thing that I played was Half Life 2 on the PC, and that was the only game that I was like (laughs) super into. And then other than that, like fell off my radar.
2: I have been wanting to like create maybe a stream though, because I have been told uh, by my sister that I'm very entertaining while I'm playing these games. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I, I could see I could see that being successful. Uh, nice Samantha in the chat says Junji Ito is like the king of horror manga in Japan, and most of his most of his terror is from creating scenes that are disturbing, and that creates for more fear. Uh, if you love horror, Nice Samantha recommends the mangas. Have you have you heard of Junji Ito? Jen, yes. I know you. Yeah. Okay. First yeah. sure.: I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to see his because adult is coming up with a sumaki like an animated. Of, of that manga. So I'm excited for it.
2: That is so cool. Yeah, it's it's he's brilliant.
0: All right, let's move on from the horror to the action. What is up with Halo? Halo. So we're finally getting
3: a TV series adaptation. So Halo has been one of those games that's always been talked about. And, you know, it's finally happening where... Paramount Plus, again, is going to be doing an adaptation of the the well-known game into a series. Uh, the trailer came out last, I believe it was last weekend, um, during the football game. And it's it's a pretty cool trailer. Like, I watched it. I think it's really cool. Like, I just think shows like that where you're kind of immersed in it and you have a character that's fully suited out with, like, a helmet and everything, You kind, it really kind of sucks me in where I'm like, okay, like, I really want to see where this goes. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see, see, to watch it. And I, so I know I have Paramount plus, I don't know how many people really have Paramount plus, but I feel like a lot of stuff's coming out on that streaming platform lately and it's good stuff. You know, you got this coming out, the Godfather, um, topic that we talked about, that's also coming out on, on, um, Paramount plus, it's just I don't know who else, like if it's it's a very popular streaming service, but I know I have it and I know that I'll watch the series for sure just to check it out to see what it's all about. You know, I think I think it could be um really good from kind of switching from game to to film because they have so much material that they can use. No. Oh go ahead, Jen.
2: No, I was just gonna add on that I believe it's supposed to air on the twenty-fourth of March.
3: Yeah, the twenty-fourth of March is the day that they have locked in for, for the showing.
0: Okay. For sure. Now, um, I was going to ask, like, did you get Paramount Plus through any kind of deal or bundle, or did you just decide to subscribe to it?
3: My brother actually had it, and he just, like, shot me a text one day and he was like, hey, I'm watching this show. You should check it out. And I'm like, what is it on? He was like, Paramount Plus. And he shot me his login and I was like, All right, cool. And like, well, ever okay. since, like, the recommendation is kind of like, I've been going on there and watch a bunch of stuff. What's really cool is, like, they have a bunch of different shows that are from like other countries so like like for example like i do like a lot of trash reality like when it comes to like survivor they have like australian survivor or south african Survivor. so they have like a lot of different shows that we have over here but just like set out in like the uk or australia or somewhere else so like for me i think it's very interesting to watch so i don't know do you have paramount plus
0: no, I don't. I mean, I only the only, honestly the only streaming services that I actually pay for that I don't have from anyone else is, uh, or through other legal means legal means, um, mm-hmm. is Crunchyroll and Funimation. is priorities. But you know, I don't, I don't know if Halo really entices, because I watched the trailer too and it. An interesting trailer it didn't really suck me in. I'm not really sold on it because I, I wasn't really a big Halo player growing up. But also, the point is, to me, when you're watching Halo, when you play Halo, do you really care about any characters other than Master Chief and Cortana?
2: I don't know. I don't know. those. I've never played those games. But... I think with the the um when I was watching the trailer, what it sort of gave me Mandalorian vibes. And I'm wondering if that's gonna be like the new kind of trend of of nerdy TV is just the man behind like behind the mask and like you never see this character. It's, it's something that appeals, I think appeals to a lot of people because it gives them some type of mystery and like you just can't help but watch.
0: But do you think that the Mandalorian is pretty much setting up the blueprint for this kind of like, like you said, the man behind the mask, the 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 big silent protagonist, and you just fill him with like like a situations and a supporting cast and fill in more of the vocal vocal roles?
3: Yeah, I think hundred percent that that Mandalorian like laying that foundation down because I mean that show came out and everyone started talking about it and. I feel like it just kind of rejuvenated a lot of what people were wanting out of the star Wars, like universe, you know what I mean? The movies are great, but I think when you're, when you're able to kind of build more of like a relationship with these characters, because it's episode after episode and it's kind of expanded longer than, you know, your typical two hours or hour and a half movie. I think that that's, it speaks more to like, okay, that's, being able to relate to these characters and having that man behind the mask or woman behind the mask where you're not able to see who they are like head on, but you're able to look at their actions and the way that they speak and stuff like that. I think that it really kind of contributes to you forming that connection being like, dude, this person's dope. Like I really like them.
2: Yeah. And even just, even without that mask, like it doesn't even have to have a physical mask, but just kind of like a metaphorical mask everybody i think has that like want to see that the man behind the mystery or the, the woman behind the mystery you know it, like the aloof character the person that has a few words to say but they're just very stoic or or some type of that uh, per, uh, character i think a lot of people are really enticed to see what that character and how that character develops yeah and it's cool when
3: they get a suit, you know what I mean? Like, you get a full-fledged suit, like, there's just something cool about that, I think. Like, to see it in a game or to see it in a comic and then, like, see it come to life, I think that that's,
0: like, really dope. I thought we just had someone, someone follow us. Mikey, who was that? So I can give him a shout-out.
1: It was 9 x 10 Americans. Thank you for the follow. Thank you.
0: Salute. Salute. Thank you for the follow. Thank you to follow. Um... Anyways, like I was saying, um like I said, uh I do agree with you in the sense that well one the, the Mandalorian has been so influential that I think it, it is it is kind of setting a bit of a trend. I don't think this I don't think this really gets made if the Mandalorian wasn't such a big hit. So we'll see because they've been trying to adapt Halo for years. I remember when I was in middle school hearing about a Halo movie I mean, yeah. I heard that Steven Spielberg was, Spielberg was attached to it and it was just something that was in, you know, pre-production for so long, you know, deals being made, people being attached, people dropping that it just seemed like it would never happen. And now it actually is. So we'll see how it turns out. But speaking of highly anticipated things that have been in development for so long, our next story is finally, finally. Finally, 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 GTA 6 has been announced. Now, GTA is something that has, or GTA 5 has been, has been out since what, 2009, 2010? It's been more than 10 years, right? Ever since GTA 5 came out and they are now, they released it on PS3 and Xbox 360 then it came out on PS5 and Xbox Xbox One X. Then they, then they announced a PS5 version and a Xbox Series X version. And people were not happy about it because, if you remember, the story was when they announced the PS5 version, it was one of the most downvoted videos on YouTube because people were just so sick of that game. They were like, enough mm-hmm. of uh, GTA 5 already. So... Uh, what was I gonna say? Let me read this quote from Rockstar Games from their newswire. Now it says, with the unprecedented longevity of GTA V, we know many of you have been asking about a new entry in the Grand Theft Auto series. With every new project we embark on, our goal is always to significantly move beyond what we have previously delivered. And we we are pleased to confirm that we are active, that have active development for the next entry in the Grand Theft Auto series is well underway, we look forward to sharing more news as we are ready, so please stay tuned to Rockstar Newswire for official details. So everything is TBA. Um, the only thing that they've really said was, what platforms will GTA 6 be released on? It says TBA, but likely Xbox Series X, S, PS5, and PC, so no Switch, unfortunately, but we all kind of knew that was, that was the deal with GTA. Now, what is your, what is your experience with Grand Theft Auto? zero none neither <laughs> none. of you have played it none
3: i i think we talked about this before the show i played driver which is like close to kind of a similar type of game okay back on ps2
0: and that was probably the last game i played that was like that okay but even if you haven't played it right you've seen it you've, you you it's, it's a very big pop culture thing what are your impressions on gta
3: i think it definitely like laid out some foundation that people were like that it created its own genre of games and people were like excited to play it but i think i remember growing up when people were playing that game it was kind of like something where like if your parents let you play it then like that was cool to like play you know what i mean like for me and like what i played my parents were like helicopter parents where they kind of supervised what i could play and what i couldn't play and it just wasn't a game that like fell into my lap where i'm like all right, cool. I could play this game and test it out. Like my parents weren't about that, but I mean, for me, I think it just definitely set its own genre, laid out a good foundation, and I mean, you're able to pinch out five games and now six coming out. Like that's pretty big. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, okay, Josh. You so you mentioned you have a, you have a how 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 much younger is your brother than you? He's four years younger than I am. Okay, so I wanted to I wanted to ask you this because we both have younger brothers. Mine's ten years younger than me. Were you and you said your parents are were helicopter parents. Were they less yeah. strict on your brother than on you? Oh, for sure, man, dude.
1: I, to, I remember I not being allowed had... to
0: play Super Smash Brothers when I was eleven, but my brother could play GTA at fourteen. I was so livid when I found that yeah. out. Like when I was, when I was like nineteen. I was watching my brother play GTA, and I looked at my mom like, "Yo, what is this?" Yeah, I'm so pissed. I'm so, so livid. But anyway, the thing about GTA also, you mentioned how it was influential in creating the sandbox-style games, and you see that with things like you said, Driven, Crackdown, uh, what else? Uh, The Saints Row series, which people always say is like the messed-out version of GTA. This These open-world sandbox-style sand, sandbox games where you can go around and do anything, and if you want to do a mission, you would drive to a spot, and then it would start a mission. It started a whole genre. It became a phenomenon. Right? And it even was controversial for things of, well, the first, the beginning is, when GTA 3 came out, it was about, you know, the violence, the 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 violence, the crimes that were being committed, and then we get into Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, and again, it's the sexual content with the whole hot coffee mod, which I don't know if either of you remember that controversy. No. So there was... There's a there was an unused code in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas that hackers were able to pull out where if you take a woman to her house she'll invite you in for hot coffee and it leads to a sex mini game and it was not it was not in the original you know game you had to pretty much like have you'd had to hack it out to make it playable but when that when people found that out it and it came out whoo, like the news storms the 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 firings the the news fire that spread everywhere people okay. were talking about hot coffee and video games began, began became like the the zeitgeist of is it is this appropriate should we ban games should we be more stricter on people playing games should we be more stricter on sales of the games and things of that nature so yeah uh, one v one show. Smash Brothers, full of violence. Get out of here, Mikey. Anyway, but I'm excited for this because GTA, d- despite what people say about it, I think does have some nuance to it as far as what was I going to say? As far as the story that it's telling, because the last game talks a lot about American consumerism and greed. And what that could do to a person. GTA Four, you see, talking about like someone who is an immigrant coming to Liberty City and what is the American dream and things of that nature. So even though there is a lot of you know things about it, I think. Well, I don't know much about GTA Three, but GTA Four and GTA Five for sure do have some messages in it that might be lost over people's heads because all they want to do is run around and just commit drive bys. But We'll see. We'll see what nuances they throw in it. I'm excited for it, and yeah. Uh, But anyways, moving off GTA, let's move on to the next big story that happened this week, which is uh, Sony and Bungie. Tell me more about that. What's going on with those two studios?
2: Yeah, so there's a merger taking place. Sony Interactive Entertainment will acquire Halo video game creator Bungie in a 3.6 billion deal, the company said on Monday. Um, I think earlier in January, Microsoft bought out Activision Blizzard, uh, the creator of Call of Duty, and that was a seven, a nearly 70 billion deal. Um, so there's a lot of mergers taking place. Um Bungie split with Microsoft uh, and became privately held back in 2007 and will join Sony's PlayStation family. Uh, the company now plans to hire more talent across its studio for Destiny 2, uh, a video game previously published by Activision Blizzard. So what do you think about the mergers?
0: Well, a, a lot of there's a lot of things at play here because, you know, the first, the knee-jerk reaction is, if you see this, oh, Sony just announced they bought Bungie. The knee-jerk reaction is this has to be a response to Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard. But somebody has refuted that statement saying that this has been in a deal, this has been in the works for a long time now. Like we've we've been actively talking about Bungie, about acquiring them and having them, you know, make games for us. Now, another thing to note is that when they made this acquisition, Bungie has gone out and said that they will still publish their games independently. Which is very interesting because you would think that with a merger, that means that Sony would want a lot of those games to be exclusive. But Jim Ryan, boss of Sony, has said that... What's the word I'm looking for? He said that we are going multi-platform. So what I think that means is that but Destiny, Destiny 2 is not going off of Xbox services. They're going to keep it there. They're going to continue to have those games there. Now. uh zombiebait 90 says, Destiny isn't a console seller. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on that one. But I think it would almost be... You know, it, it seems like it could be a petty move, being like, oh, we just acquired the, the, the studio that made Halo, like, your biggest franchise, and now we own them. You know, and just kind of taking Destiny seems like it could be a kind of like slap in the face, but no, I think Sony is playing this more of a, you know, we want Bungie to have that freedom to put Destiny out, Destiny 2, and all those other contents, multi-platform. Now, this also comes off before the news that Sony has said that they are acquiring, or not acquiring, they are putting out 10 more live service games. What does that mean? You know, with Bungie, it seems like they have the pedigree and they have the developers in place to be able to put those on. Now, I, I I've never played Destiny and it's not really my type of game. What about y'all? Um, have y'all ever played Destiny?
2: No. Is that like a first-person shooter? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not big on first person shooters. I I'm terrible at them.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> but here, let me let me put it to you like this. What about live service games? Any experience with those?
2: Um Is Genshin Impact a live service game? Yes. Okay, so I have dabbled in Genshin Impact, although I'm very limited.
0: (laughs) What about you, Josh? No. No? No. no. No life I'm service sure. games for you? Yeah, see I'm not I'm not really big on live service games either, but it seems like we are moving more towards tool, towards a future where that just is becoming more of the the norm. <clears throat> because it seems like publishers are realizing like, yo, we can make more money off of people and it would take less work to essentially maintain a game and add new content to it and just get more and more money from people as far than you know, spending hundreds of millions of dollars on creating a brand new AAA game. Mm. And then, you know, having just get, you know, it could sell a couple million copies and we'd get like 60, 70 bucks from people. But if we just come up with one game and constantly maintain it, then we could get, you know, hundred two hundred dollars from people who want to buy the cosmetic updates, buy the new packs, buy all the cards, buy whatever collectibles it is, what is the DLC campaign. So it just seems like we're moving towards this this new future where live service games are becoming more the norm. And honestly, to be quite frank, I hate it. I'm not a fan of live service games. I think they're boring. They're the design of them maybe gameplay wise could be fun. But as far as story and narrative and the stuff I really play games for, it, it just draws a flat dud to me. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, I don't know much about um, that genre of gaming. But when you had mentioned DLC, I mean, I definitely, it it has always kind of given me a bad vibe that, you know, video games would want to push out as many pennies as they possibly can from your pocket. You know, for example, Breath of the Wild, they came out with two expansion packs. And it would have just been nice to have, like, you know, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. That's your game and you get it and there's nothing else. Like, there you go, you have it. And then, but with Breath of the Wild, it was like you had to buy the expansion pack. And so a game that I spent, I think it was $70 on, ended up being closer to, like, a 100 And I think the two combined were, like... 50 or something like that so like130 dollars um, just with the or 120 130 dollars with those expansion packs.
0: Yeah um, the mm-hmm. in the chat says the problem with the service or with live service is developers use it as an excuse to cut content story from a game and then sell it to you pretty much what you pretty much just said. I mean DLC is, is something that's to, for me I have no problem with DLC as long as what the original game that I get is feels complete. And if they have extra stuff they want to tell that they didn't have time to put in, that's fine with me. But also, I think another big question about this is, are we just going to stop, start seeing third-party games or third-party studios get bought up? Are we no longer going to have an EA? Are we no longer going to have an Ubisoft? Are we no longer going to have a Take-Two? Like, is there a, is, is there a future where every game franchise is Pretty much exclusive to Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, or whatever other services might be in the future.
2: I think there are certain uh, there are certain developers who are able to stay independent. <clears throat> I believe Square Enix is one, if I if I'm understanding correctly, uh, and they came out with like, for example, Kingdom Hearts, and uh, I I think they also came out with Final Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, they're that type of when they have something established and built. I think they can get away with it because they have multiple consoles that they can go to. For example, Kingdom Hearts is Nintendo, as well as Play Us uh, Sony PlayStation. So, I think it just depends on the drive and how big they are already, like how established they are. Maybe. Yeah, I
0: don't I think- know because if you could, you could have square enix like look at those sales numbers and be like yo like 70 billion dollars we could make out like bandits we could press sony and say hey microsoft has been talking to us and unless you want final fantasy to go to xbox you better yo how much you willing to pay for this how much you willing to how much you willing to chunk out
2: how much money like how much profit are they getting from uh, final fantasy like that game is a global phenomenon like it just, it, I think it depends on how sweet of a deal it is, you know. I, I don't know. I think it just depends on the developer and what their their motives are and or what their drive is.
3: Right. Yeah, I think when they're working independently, like they have full range to do what they want to do and how they want to do it. And like I think that with these bigger, like Sony and stuff, like buying out these other, you know, companies, like it's cool because on one hand you're like. Bungie gets access to all the stuff that sony has so like they could really put out some good stuff because they have all these tools that maybe they didn't have before you know what i mean like there's more things more connections that they have that they're able to put on and have this like really really good like stuff being developed and created together but the back end of that is you know they could be putting stuff together and then sony could be stepping in and being like all right we're going to nix this, we're going to nix that, that's going to be DLC, and we're going to go, you know what I mean? And the business side comes into it when it's like they're just trying to be creative and, like, put something out that's good for for people, you know, it's tough because you don't know. Originally, they could be like, we had this really good game for you, and it got whittled down to this because Sony wants to charge you XYZ for all this, you know, DLC. So it's just, like, it's difficult. It's that balance of, like, do we stay independent and do our own thing or do we go with the big boys where we're able to have access to different resources, but we're not able to really be in control of like our own show.
0: Yeah. I mean, but also the thing with that is you give up, you give up the control, but what you get in exchange is a larger bankroll and a bit of a, a safety net. Cause if yeah. Sony or Microsoft is, you know, they're telling you what to do, but if your game fails, they'll, they'll eat more of the costs than you will. True. So we'll see. We'll see how things play out. We'll see if any, there are any big acquisitions. Because Jim Ryan, head of uh, PlayStation, basically said expect more acquisitions from us in the future. So, buckle in, y'all. It's going to be a crazy ride. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the next section. Our top five. So, for this week, the way this... Or, let me explain how the segment works. Basically, I come up with a topic, top five... Uh, my Mike or the whoever our guests are, they come up with their five. I come up with my five, and then we just slowly, you know, count down from five to one, and who we want the most of, or who we want, who we're talking about in our top five. So let's take it away. So give me your number five.
3: All right. So we we actually sit up really late trying to figure this out because we had to have characters that we, we figured we could agree on because there's two of us kind of putting together our top five. So it's a little split. But in at number five, we have the one and only
0: R2-D2. Oh, interesting. You want to, someone who, can, who can't who can really talk to hang out with. But here's here's my thing. Is R2-D2,
3: because he's living like hes he's never he's never the bad guy even when he is the bad guy you know what i mean he's literally on a quest to take down someone and then once he gets caught they're like we're going to let you slide cuz you're a droid you know what i mean like he gets a pass basically anywhere he goes i don't know anyone that's like hating on r2 that's going to be like yo take him out
0: got to say as as someone who Constantly trolls Mikey about Star Wars stuff. I I don't think I've ever said a bad thing about R2-D2, so. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Interesting.
2: Quite honestly, R2-D2 was his pick. I did not pick R2. Not that I have anything against him, but I think there are other droids within the Star Wars franchise that are a lot better, in my opinion.
3: (laughs) She likes that one from Rogue One.
2: Yeah, I honestly, like, okay, so I'm not a Star Wars geek, so I'm sorry, I don't know the name, but the droid from Rogue One <laughs> was so freaking cool. Like, he had the wit, like, he had, like, he was just this aloof character that just brought me so much joy and, like, sacrifice, like, uh What what, what was bad about him?
0: K- oh, was K-2SO, K2SO, that's what
2: Oh yeah, played by Alex.
3: You yeah, yeah, wouldn't did. have to sacrifice, you know who wouldn't die? r 2 that's what I'm
0: saying. They're going to shoot him. They're going to think he's a trash can. They're like, leave that guy alone. All right. My, my, number, my number five would be, of course, Spike Spiegel. Now, any of you who watch Cowboy Bebop know that Spike is one of the coolest motherfuckers like in the galaxy. Man, you know, even though I don't, I'm not a big fan of cigarette smoke, there's nothing cooler than this guy just out here smoking cigarettes, eating noodles. He's got a, yeah, he's got a shady past, but I gotta say, in real life, a lot of my friends have shady past, so it's something that I'm used to, you know? And the guy's just, I would to say aloof, but he's kind of just chilling. It just seems like someone you could just, you know, have a drink with. You know, listen to some jazz music. And then after you're drunk, you could go and, you know, eat some ramen noodles. And you'd be having a good old time just chilling with your bro. Gotta say, Spike Spiegel, one of the coolest dudes in the galaxy, he would be my number five. Swagger. Yeah, swagger on hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the animated version. Not not No offense to John Cho, but he, 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 was, right. he was just all right in the role. <laughs> all right. Hit me with your number four.
2: All right. So number four is my pick. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it may, I don't know if any of you may know this character, but it's the little <laughs> prince from the book, the little prince.
0: <laughs> She's a Netflix movie.
2: <clears throat> oh, I, ha- I have, I watched maybe halfway through and I wasn't just, it, it's not that I didn't like it. I just, I think we had different plans and so I couldn't actually finish it, but I,
0: I enjoyed the movie. So
2: yeah, it's, uh, so it was originally a French book by um, an author uh, Antoine de Saint Exupery, and <laughs> or an American Antoine de Saint Exupery, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was just it's supposed to be a a children's book but when you really read it and break it down it's very much a book for adults as well there's just so many motifs and and themes and lessons learned and I had to read it for my French class so I it was all in I had to translate it and and it was just this little character the little prince and he just taught so many lessons, and for someone so small, had so much wisdom, he's definitely one of my favorite space characters.
0: In space. I think I remember him being in space, but...
2: Yes, he's, he lives on an asteroid. Oh, uh, that's
3: right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I read the book, and then she said, let's talk about it, and then we talked about it, and she <laughs> said, go read it again. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's move on to my number four. It would be Captain Kirk. Not William Shatner, but Captain Kirk from the Star Trek reboot, which is Chris Pine.
2: Mm.
0: Now, the reason why I choose the reboot, re- reboot, reboot Captain Kirk over the William Shatner Captain Kirk is because Captain Kirk in the movies, this dude is just out here getting into bar fights. He's out here, you know, picking up women. He just seems, you know who Captain Kirk reminds me of? He reminds me, I have this friend, right? I got a friend named, I got a friend named Bobby. And Captain Kirk reminds me of him because he's always out here willing to do whatever and having a good time, and he's always down with the get down. Now, will he might, will, will he abandon you somewhere because of some woman? Probably, which makes him kind of an asshole. But at the end of the day, he's still your bro. So that's why, that's why I chose Captain Kirk from the reboot. Because even though he is, you know... He can be a bit of an asshole, and he can sometimes be a bad friend. He's always someone that you can count on to just go party with. So that's why I choose that Captain Kirk.
2: I've not actually seen any Star—I mean, Star Trek uh, films or show. It's been on my to-do list as well as well a uh, Doctor Who, but there's just so much to encompass. I just—I never know where to start.
0: You could always watch. <laughs> not Samantha this is not to party with L.A., though That's true you're right uh, uh, when it comes to Star Trek honestly you could you could just watch the reboot movies and then if you want to see more you can go from there
2: cool okay alright yeah so our you. number three
3: coming in at number three Star Wars related again we would go with Mando. And I think that for me, this is just a character that's done so much for the franchise. And I just think he's, he's fucking dope, dude. Like you just don't take no shit. And he just like, he's all about like, I got got an objective to get it done. I'm gonna go get it done. You know what I mean? Like, I think he would definitely be someone that's cool to like, go have a beer with, to chill with. Um,
2: He would bring you in warm or he would bring you in cold
3: yeah he's just like he's a smooth talker like i I'd, I'd probably befriend him and be like go talk to that girl for me and the next thing you know she's just like hey he told me so much about you and i just have him do all the talking for me
2: no he would be the type of person who if he if a girl you asked him to talk to a girl she would immediately go with, go him. with him
3: or i could just be like hey that's my friend right there <laughs> And ride his coattails. Like, he just seems so cool. Like, same thing like you said earlier.
2: He's the he type just of... He got
3: man. Yeah,
2: he's the type of character where you would make one great wingman.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Swaggoo. swagoo, Nice. Nice, nice. All right. Let's move on to my number three. And it would be Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, this might be surprising to most people why I picked Drax out of all the Guardians. People say, well, why didn't you pick Peter Quill? Or why wouldn't you pick Gamora or Rocket? First of all, I love Rocket. He's my favorite character in Guardians of the Galaxy, but he would probably be the worst one to hang out with because he will for sure sell you out at the drop of a hat. Uh, And Gamora would probably, like, I don't know, impale me for making some dumbass comment. Peter Quill, he's cool, but he's not as cool as Captain Kirk, and he's kind of a bit of an idiot. But the reason why I picked Drax is because Drax is a simple man, but he thinks a lot. And don't we all need kind of a friend like that? Someone who, you know, you do the talking, and he's kind of like just your 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 backup, your bodyguard. Because you know, despite being someone who takes everything literal and can be kind of annoying, he is he's your guy. He's got your back, right? He's gonna be like your bodyguard. Uh, Zombie bait said Twill is a tool. Yeah, that's true. He did he did ruin everything in Infinity War. But I love yeah. I love Drax. Like he, even his humor. Even when he doesn't mean to be funny, he's hilarious. And honestly, who's who's better than that? Having having a friend like Drax. Because you would rather have Drax as a friend than have than have him as an enemy. And so that's that's
3: for sure. That's for he's like sure a, simple, who I like a simple guy, he's a simple guy, but at the same time, like he's passionate about shit. Where he's like. Yeah. If he's going to go to war, he's going to go to war. Like, he's going to back you up. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like, it's not, there's no, you know, it's just black and white of like, if you're his friend and you're his homie, he's like, don't worry. I got you. Like, I'm going to ride for you. You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) He's got,
0: what's the word I'm looking for? He's got, he's got principles. Yeah. Loyalty. Yes. All right. (laughs) Let me hear your number two.
2: All right. My number two is a Sailor Venus or Sailor V. And she's the character from Sailor Moon, I'm sure most of you know. And the reason why I didn't pick Sailor Moon um, is because Sailor V created it all. Sailor V started it all. Uh, She was the initial protagonist that was created and then once her little comic strip was done, then it became Sailor Moon. But she's just so cool and I mean, let's just admit Sailor Moon's a crybaby. She uh, was terrified of everything up until kind of like the end of the the manga, and Sailor V always she was always set to fight. She was always set to fight for love and. Freedom and power. And like, she was just so cool. Like, she, sight. she wore those like really, really neat, like 90s fashion, like with the high tops and like the, the grand, the, what are they called? The mom jeans. And she, with her ribbon in her hair. Like, she seems like someone who'd be super cool, tell you what to wear um, and just make you like feel good about yourself. See, I,
0: I, I see, I, I see your point, right? Hear me out. But I, I I do I like Sailor Moon because she is a doofus and a crybaby. That's what I like, that's what I like about her. Maybe because that appeals to a certain demographic. <laughs> but uh, I, I I do like the doofusness of of Sailor Moon. But honestly, if I had to pick a sailor to hang out with, for me, it would probably be. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Now I'm thinking about it okay Who they're just all
2: think? really cool characters
0: it's true I, I like i like sailor jupiter but i feel like she's also one that would like kick my ass for being a dumbass um i think if i had to pick i think sailor mercury the, she's the, the
2: most bland one what are you talking about she's
0: the smart bookish one she's the, she would be the balance to my bullshit
2: Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> She's definitely the most level-headed.
0: <laughs> exactly. All right. Moving on to my number two. My number two would be King Dedede from the Kirby series. Now, this might not be surprising <laughs> to people who know me, but, you know, well, first of all, y'all know I love Kirby. Well, why wouldn't you pick Kirby? Kirby. Well, because he's going to eat everything, I wouldn't have a chance to eat anything. And King Dedede, <laughs> even though he's just as greedy, I feel like me and King DDD are very similar in nature because there is always there is this picture of King DDD. Um, hold on, I want to see if I could if I could find it because I want to get the quote exactly right. Um, because we are we are very much almost the same person where he says, "Uh, the su- <laughs> He says, the suffering of others is the most amusing thing there is. And I feel like me and King Didi are very much the same. We're boastful, we're brash, we're just you know, we're over here just kind of greedy and selfish. We're both horrible people, and that's why I like King Didi so much, because we would get along in our mutual our mutual complete BS. Uh, nice Samantha says, have you ever seen Gio and Kirby in the same room? Exactly. right. <laughs> But I, I love King Dedede because he's just, and he's not like an evil guy. He's just kind of a selfish one, which I feel like I, I relate to this story because if you've played Kirby Adventure 2, you or Kirby Kirby's Adventure on the NES, the the not the original game, but the second game in the series, the game starts off with King Dedede being the one to destroy the Dream Rod. And you think that he's the villain the whole game. And when you beat him at the quote-unquote end of the game, he tells you not to put the star rod back together, and he tries to stop you. And Kirby's just like, get off me. Like, no, I'm going to put this together because it took away everyone's dreams. But the reason he did that is because there was a nightmare beast hidden in the star rod. So you think he's being a villain, but actually, you know, he's just a good guy. He's just misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love King Dedede. He's, wow. he's one of my favorites. I mean,
2: there's, there's no, not much else to say to that. Wow stand-up guy i,
0: I uh, i'm on my kirby lore <laughs> all right holla at me with your number two
2: okay so this is the only oh, one
0: number one i'm sorry Number one. Oh, yeah, yeah this is
2: the only one on our list that we actually agreed on um not even just because like for example yes i think mando's cool and r2 okay but i think this is both one that once it was said it was like Yes, hands down, a hundred percent. Yes, uh, on both sides. And so our number one is Invader Zim. Oh. <laughs> well, okay. <along> with <laughs> yeah,
3: because there is like a complimentary like add on.
2: Yes, yeah. And I mean, honestly, he's just the funniest little squirt ever. I think just watching him kind of hatch out his ideas and then fail miserably and then Gerd just like do his little happy dance it would just be the most amusement and it would just be a great old time
3: yeah I would definitely like to hang out with those guys and just kind (laughs) of go around doing whatever they're doing knowing that none of it's gonna work out (laughs) in the end is like super funny to me but it looks like we definitely have I mean you still need to reveal your number one but from so far it looks like yours is like a group of the boys, and it looks like we're just a band of misfits. Like, <laughs> how did this come together?
0: <laughs> okay, I see it. I see it. I see it. I don't know. Invader Zim. To me, he'd be a little bit too manic for my taste. Too crazy. Too
2: crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what there where the amusement would come from. I think it's just because, like, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what his ploy or plot is, no matter how big it seems, like it's just gonna fall through. So it's just like watching him get to that point, and then just for a tall and rabble, it's like, oh, they're there.
3: Yeah, it's like watching a little dog kind of go crazy and like <laughs> go on this spew, and it's just like you're not going to do anything. Yeah. Like, relax. Like I'm going to laugh at you just because I know that you're not gonna, you're, you're harmless. You it's like I mean? when
2: yeah, when our when our pups have like the zoomies and he just runs in circles. It's like, oh, so <laughs> sweet.
0: <laughs> All right, for sure, I see it. All right. For my number one, I kind of cheated. I put, I put two characters at my number one, but that's because, to me, in my opinion, they come as a package deal. Now, my number one, it, it's a bit of a throwback. Uh, Josh, I doubt you've heard of these characters. Maybe <laughs> you have, Jen. But my number one is Kiyoni and Mihoshi from Tenshi Muyo. Now, those of you who know me... well I almost fell. Those of you who know me know that I don't really talk to the police. To me? I'm not. I'm not really someone who is a fan of the police. That to me, we we like to call them the op. That's the op. But you're talking about the galaxy police. That's a whole different story, right there, right? In the in the fact that you tell me that I can kick it with Keone, who is you know you think that she's the super serious, only cares about her job, like pretty much, you know, uh, space cop who's too serious for her own good. But when you actually get to know her, you find out that she's just someone who is always in crisis. She cares. She's just really deeply passionate about her job. She wants to protect people, even though she can be a little bit uh, a little bit too stern. But you know that in reality, she's actually just depressed because she's never getting a promotion, which makes her more, more relatable. And then on the other side, you got Mihoshi, who is just this kind of ditzy, like, kind of little... A little bit, a little dumb, but she's just so adorable, and just the the combination of the serious and the ditzy, and kicking it with those two, like oh, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of a better pair in space to hang out with. Like,
2: you know, honestly, I'm surprised that you went with those two because someone who is both serious and ditzy is Washu.
0: See, Uh, see, I like Washu, but. Uh, like I don't wanna get like some experiment blowing up in my face. You know I mean? <laughs> and I don't want to be on the run from the police all the time. That's true. So <laughs> definitely, definitely Keone and Mihoshi, definitely my, my 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 two. And that way I get a two on one deal. So like if I feel like <laughs> being like a dumbass, I go hang out with Mihoshi. And if I feel like getting shit done, I'd hang out hang, kick it with Keone. So like there's, there's no better there's no better deal there. <laughs> um zombie bait said sad that the OG Superman isn't on here. See, Superman, I, I I like Superman, but to me he's just too much of a Boy Scout.
2: I we actually discussed Superman last night, the original Superman. Um, but yeah, he pretty <laughs> much turned it down. I'm like lack
0: of personality, I'm like <laughs> uh, Or Goku. That's what uh oh Mikey said, or Goku. Yeah, go no, nah, but Goku, all he wants to do is fight and train. And I'm a lazy motherfucker. I'd rather hang out with Majin Buu. <laughs> or I'd rather people with Bulma, you know what I'm saying?
2: It's no, like but that, then uh... Majin Buu turn into Cell, so that would be even more terrifying.
0: No, 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 no. Majin Buu turns into Kid Buu, but Kid Buu got defeated, and now you just have the jolly, happy, fat Buu.
2: Oh, and then Buu turns into Cell.
0: No, 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 no. No, Buu and that- Cell are not... The the okay, the, uh, the androids turn into cell.
2: Oh, I'm confused. Then I thought. Well, I mean, I haven't seen Dragon Ball Z since I was little, but I thought that Boo turned into cell.
0: They're oh. they're completely separate arcs.
2: Oh my goodness! Well, so much for my. Um,
0: <laughs> it just reminds me of like, uh, you know, who Future is mm-hmm. the rapper. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. yeah.
0: So, Future future has, like, this, like, you know, he's he's known for being a toxic person and a lot of misogyny and stuff. And so, when the whole Will Smith and Jada thing happened, and someone, like, tweeted at him and was, like, uh, someone was, like, oh, future, Will Smith needs to hang out with Future. And Future tweeted back and was, like, I'd rather hang out with Jada, respectfully. <laughs> it's kind of, like, you know, it's, like, oh... You know, why don't you hang out with Goku? I was like, oh, I'd rather hang out with Chi Chi. Respectful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Anyways. All right. That is our top five. Anybody else in the in the chat have any any characters that they want to throw in? Let us know. Let us know. Um, I think we have a pretty good spread here as far as we got some anime, we got some Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, uh, we got Nickelodeon. You know, we got, uh, I don't even know what we'd consider a Little Prince. Is that, how old is that book?
2: It's from the 40s, I believe.
0: Okay, so we got some some classic children's literature in there. So we got a nice little spread. I want to say it wasn't too heavy on, you know, one certain genre or topic or theory. So, good on us. Actually, you know what? I think, um, I'll just have Mikey send me this uh, list and I'll start, I'll publish it on our publish it on our uh, on our on our Instagram, so the the people out there in the socials who didn't catch the show they can see who we decided to pick. But anyway, best team was <laughs> that. Let them vote who had the better team. Oh yeah, oh yeah, good idea. I mean, unfortunately, we're not we're not Twitch affiliates because if we were, we could have like a poll in the chat, and then we could do it from there. But. We don't we don't wanna we don't wanna become we don't wanna become slaves to the Twitch overlords. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to our next big topic, and it is our 1v1 debate. Now, for this, the way it works is every week we have a question being posed, and me and either Mikey or our guests are going to debate on what on uh, on what side <laughs> or, or for our points on whatever side of the debate on the question that we we fall on so uh, before we go out. Uh, Nine Samantha says Doug Dodgers would be my first pick. Wacky space adventures with Daphne or with Daffy. Oh, nice, nice. Daffy is kind of like a I don't know. He's kind of a dumber. Yeah, he, like he's likely to get you blown up as well. But we'll see. Uh, so Mikey, tell us what is our debate question for the week.
1: So the question I have for you guys is. Are wait what is it are there no more original ideas in Hollywood anymore? What do you guys think?
0: Alright, so I'm gonna let you start off, Justin Jen. Let me know. Go ahead.
2: Okay. I mean, I think that's definitely one of those questions where you really have to dissect and if you really think about it like every idea has been told every story has been told um but it's just depends on how it's told that can be original you know there's there's just there's a main plot of you know good versus evil etc but it's how that story is told or how it kind of dissects well is there a good and evil etc etc so I definitely don't think that there's any um, shortage of ideas. I think that people, as long as they really take the time to sit and and think through their film, there there can be several original ideas.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like the there are original <laughs> ideas still in Hollywood because everyone has a view on certain kind of like with all the reboots, for example, everyone goes to that and says, oh, they're just remaking all this stuff and it's just like a ploy to, like, it's a cash grab to, you know, get money. But when they're done right and they're done from a different perspective that make you think, I think I consider that an original idea. You know what I mean? They're getting you to think more about than just what was given to you at face value. They're getting you to think more beyond that and into a bigger scope of, like, what would it look like if things were switched this way? Or what if it was from you know the antagonist's point of view as opposed to the way that it was first fed to us and to me i think that that creates more dialogue it creates more conversations and that leads to like better better um views on like understanding different perspectives
0: okay fair enough but for me, I, I would disagree. I think there are no more original ideas in Hollywood because while you can say that there might be original stories out there and how it's told, but if we're looking at from the perspective of Hollywood... Why do I have tape? So from the perspective of Hollywood is, well, what is what's selling, right? Hollywood only cares about the bottom dollar. Like We can talk about, oh, creative freedom and ideas, but at the end of the day, a producer is looking for what is going to make the most money. So you see franchises like Fast and Furious, right? There is nothing new being told in that story. There is barely a story being told in those movies, right? It's just a bunch of cars started off racing, and now they're jumping off, you know, cliffs to like catch a helicopter. There's nothing being no no original story being told there, but they're making ten of them because they're selling. We talked about horror franchises, and how stuff like The Conjuring, after a while, it gets stale, it gets boring. Why? Because it's still selling until it doesn't sell, and then all of a sudden, even if you have, like, a cliffhanger or untold story threads, it doesn't matter because it's no longer selling. Hollywood only cares about the bottom dollar. And that, to me, that's why there are no more original stories. If you look at last year, Steven Spielberg remade West Side Story, which is a remake of a story that is just another telling of Romeo and Juliet. There are no more original stories in Hollywood. I don't know.
2: I mean, if, if we go based off of that, then there's no original stories anywhere. I mean, there are billions and billions of books out there that all have of sim- similar storyline, but it's how the story is told that I think is really what matters. For example, we've seen so many war films, um, um, Full Metal Jacket. I think that's one of them. The um, The Pianist. David uh, Private Ryan. The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. There's so many war films out there about like World War. Let's just say World War Two. But then look at uh, what Taika Waititi put out in Jojo Rabbit. That's completely new. Like that was a completely new story, a completely new retelling. And it was it a, a it was fiction, obviously. Like was it. And like, did that was actually based off of the truth? No, but it's still a, an enlightening, good story. And so I think that, you know, if we really sit there and say, like, Romeo and Juliet has been pushed out every which way, yes, it has. Like, that's just, like, same thing with, like, Pride and Prejudice. There's been so many, like, lovers or hate, hate to lovers. But, I mean, it's just how the story is told. And as long as it keeps it engaging, I mean, yes, of course, there's going to be times where producers just want to give you shit. Like, just throw it out there just so I can make money. But, I mean, every once in a while you get those gems. So, I mean, it's not dead.
3: Yeah, I think that you could use the same, like, recipe in different situations and still have a good amount of success. Because it's like, what kind of actors are you using? What kind of characters are you using? Like, a good example is, like, we talked earlier about Halo and how Mandalorian kind of set, like, this is setting this foundation of, like, what a good storyline can be and you have halo coming out and while other people may say oh you're just copying or whatever the case may be like there's a good amount of fan base that's like they're just excited because of the character themselves or to be like it's halo you know what i mean like it's master chief like that coming together is like it could be the same structure it could be the same kind of storyline and you know development but people are excited because of who's in the movie or the show, and who's playing those characters. Well, the that's story, like.
2: even, the, sorry to cut you off, but even the stories that you're told, I mean, like, let's, let's see it, like, phys, physiologically. I'm just going to, like, branch out a little bit. But we all have the same skeleton, right? All of our skeleton is the same, but it's the outside that is really important. Like, our mind is different. Our bodies are different. That's what makes us unique. And in that same way, I think it, we can really relate to hollywood or like the films that are made or produced by hollywood it's like they have the same skeleton but it's what's on the outside it's what is thought of that makes it different and unique and and good
3: yeah and i think that there's still some movies that, that stray away from like doing these reboots in a different fashion and still having success like like uh quentin tarantino like all, like his movies you know what i mean it was just like not too long ago once upon a time in Hollywood came out, and it's just like those are original ideas. Those are original ideas that came out, and they're successful
0: in theaters. You know what I mean? Was it really an original idea? Once upon a time in Hollywood, because it was based off the Charles Manson murders. But even then, what 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 story was in that movie to begin with? That's just my personal thing about that movie. I, <laughs> the,
3: the way that they tell the story, though, like for them to come up with like their own kind of your version of like what happened during that time knowing that it's not, like, completely accurate, like, it's his own storytelling ability.
0: But I think, okay, I will concede the point of view, something like, someone like Taika Waititi, but that, the only reason why, well, one, like, if if you've seen his earlier movies, I think those can be, those are very original, well, not original stories, but Boy was a good story, but it wasn't very original, but I would say Hunt for the Wilder People War, but that's because he made it outside of the context of Hollywood. He made it with his in, in New Zealand, in in his home his home country. Now, JoJo Rabbit is a Hollywood movie, but I think the only reason why he was able to make that was because of how successful he was with Thor Ragnarok. If we're if we're talking about the greater stories, right? Yes, there probably are something that is, you know, original an original spin on something. But we're talking about the context of Hollywood to where yes we have the occasional uh, anomaly, because those are always going to happen. But at the end of the day, Hollywood only cares about the bottom dollar. That's why the movies that we see that are getting picked up and created are not the only original ones. We're just seeing all these things that are just cut and paste. And I think people are starting to notice that. What the hell was that?
1: (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, I think so, like, okay, so I get what you're saying, and like for sure, Hollywood's like all about a cash grab when they're just trying to make money. But at that same sense, like look at what they did with the, the Spider-Man movie that just came out. Like they there there's some portions where they're giving the fans what they want and thinking like, oh, this is just a cash grab, but like it's a cash grab, but it's a it's a cash grab that like I'm willing to participate in. Because they're giving me what I want in that sense, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, but Marvel. Oh, go ahead.
2: Sorry, and I—I I mean, this is actually completely based, like, not on that. So, if you want to go ahead, just rebuttal.
0: <laughs> I, I think Marvel is Marvel is a, a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar franchise. It's 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 not an original idea, and if you notice that, even like the Spider-Man movie did do something a little bit different, it's. It' just playing that movie plays into nostalgia because it uses old movies. It's not an original idea. It uses ideas from the past.:
3: It's taking characters from the past, but that's definitely an original idea of how that movie came together.: Yeah. yeah. Like the, the storyline, everything, you would I would have never thought that that kind of movie would be coming together four or five years ago. Like, and, it, and it would be some, once like everything started leaking, like it was something where I was like. Man, if this is real and this is true, like when this comes out, this is gonna be something that I really, really want. You know what I mean? Because they're using characters from an older movie, but it's not like they're continuing that same storyline from that older movie or retelling. But they this. are essentially. But they're it not essentially a sequel to all of the ends of those movies. It's a, it's like they're, It's because of like I said earlier, they're using the characters that we created a relationship with to put back in these movies but it's a whole new spin on like how they're telling the story i mean i don't know about you but me personally like sitting down watching that new spider-man movie i would not have been able to tell you at the beginning of the movie how this is how it's going to play out and i think that some movies you can do that because you're like oh like i already know what's going to happen the guy's going to get the girl at the end and it's going to go like this like there's no way that i could have called the ending to spider-man before
0: watching it Oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, no, go ahead, continue, because this is not to do with
2: Spider-Man. I was
0: just going to say, well, the only reason why we have this is because Marvel has been set up to be this, like, 30-picture extravaganza that is still going and going and going. You don't just, you know, it's it's something that was, it's not an original idea, because also it is something that was a successful property before it was movies. So, you know
2: know my big grip, but okay. <laughs> For me, I think it's more like, I understand that old old Hollywood, that version of old Hollywood that is still tethered to profit over ideas is definitely something that hinders the quality of films and new ideas. Although I wouldn't go as far to say that all of Hollywood is like that, um, just because... There are other films that are being pushed out for example like Netflix I would I would say that Netflix would be on the same level as Hollywood style or status films like for example Tick Tick Boom I mean it's not an original idea per se because it was a Broadway show but it is new to film and in that sense it brings out a new idea like yes it's the same old story of somebody um overcoming like and being told that they weren't good enough But that's the thing is that there's always one story that's already played out. There's already one story that's already been told. It's how that you create like or how you like provide more support or tell a different story um, using different characters. You know, what I'm trying to say, because if if we really want to go to that, like literally every story has been told since the dawn of time, like. If we can go look at the books from the 300s and, like, um, you know, what's uh, what's his name? Uh, Christian Anderson, the one who created, like, all of those. Or the Grim the Brothers stories. Like, they've all already been told. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't new ideas that can come from those, bone, those bones.
3: Yeah. Gio, what was, um, wasn't that, like, it, it was probably a while ago. But the girl from Queens Gambit, didn't you watch a movie with, in, about her recently? That you're like, this is one of the best movies that you've um, seen in a while. And
2: Taylor Joy or something
0: like that. Night uh, last night in Soho. Yeah. All right. that original? Was that original? All right, Parker, you got me on that one. <laughs> okay. uh, but I think I think like I said, there's always going to be anomalies, and I think what my my greater point is I'm, what I'm saying is that I think Hollywood cares more about. What will be the, what will be, what will reach, and it's always this is kind of an obvious point, but Hollywood only cares about what is going to reach the mass audiences and things that are a little bit more niche and a little bit more original don't seem to get picked up by big Hollywood. So they have to go outside and get funding from other sources. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can agree with
2: yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, I can agree with that.
3: Like, yeah. they, they are a cash gap and they are trying to make money at the end of the day. I think it's just like where you as a viewer choose to invest your stocks is where it's like you're going to be able to see this is something I support, this is something I like. And maybe you like the way that a story's been told before, but you just like the way that it's done this time with specific actors. Or maybe you like something that's totally different that's still coming out because it's original. Like, don't look up. You know what I mean? Like, there's just different movies that kind of come out that grab you and they're anomalies. But at the same time, if you have more than a few of them keep happening and happening then something that was supposed to be infrequent becomes frequent and then here we are having a discussion of like okay there are still a lot of original ideas out there
2: and um on that, you know it's it's also like we do there are anomalies and those anomalies come to fruition and are put out there because of the viewers so Taiko Waititi may have started small with, you know, The Wilder People and um, What We Do in the Shadows. But look at what What We Do in the Shadows is, is now. Like, it's, it's a show, like, on FX, and it's doing great. And he was able to make more films and able to become in a place where he can have a wider audience because of his initial success. I mean, it, it, everybody starts off small. Everybody starts off somewhere. But if more people garner those or bring up those people who have those creative ideas, that, who are creative geniuses, then we'll only experience more.
3: Yeah. Well, a lot more people want to work with Taika now than they did before, obviously.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, then, anyways, with that, let's wrap this up. Thank you all. Let us know in the chat. What do y'all think? Do you agree with me? Or do you agree more with Josh and Jen? Let us know. Let us know. Let us know in the chat. And like always, let's, let's wrap this up. And we'll, this bring, comes to the end of our show. So, Mikey, why don't you close us out?
1: Oh, Okay. So, if you guys liked the show and what we do here, please give us a follow on our socials on Instagram, Twitter. And you can support us on Patreon, where we have three tiers. And, uh, like we said, or announced earlier, since we are a video podcast, we didn't have an audio podcast, now we do. You can catch us on Spotify and Stitcher, currently working on iTunes and Google Music, and uh, so you aren't able to catch us live on either Twitch or YouTube, you can find us on those platforms as well. And I want to give a special thanks to our last minute uh, guest who uh, came in super clutch josh and jennifer and uh yeah and so or is there anywhere we can find your guys work or any online if you guys want to share
2: uh, i am no longer on social media on instagram and i'm going on a little bit of a social media bands so nice. i have nothing
3: <laughs> yeah same we're just happy to join the show yeah. like it really is fun to do have yeah, the discussions and stuff, and really kind of just get conversations going. So, not so much a, a plug, but definitely like excited um, to keep watching you guys' the show. And if you guys ever need another stand-in, like just shoot us a text, we'll we'll step in.
2: It's always a pleasure to talk to both of you and to get engaged with your audience. You know, they everybody seems really level-headed, really has great opinions. So thank yeah,
1: I you. So- All ah. right, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, thanks again, and uh for everyone else, we'll see you guys next. Well, if you want to stay for stay tuned for the post show, just stick around for a little bit. But uh yeah. for a audio, what I was gonna say, are y'all gonna stick for the
0: post show, or do you have to cut?
1: We're pretty Yeah.
0: Okay, for sure.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. So for people, audio listeners on Spotify and Stitcher. Uh, you guys will be missing on the post because you aren't watching live but if you are watching live we will be, be streaming currently on YouTube and Twitch so stick around for that and uh, if not we will see you guys again next week on Saturday, Saturdays at 11am PST and if not uh, I think I'm going to be trying to upload today's episode on tomorrow on Spotify so look out uh, on our socials for that and then so, until then, I am Mikey, along with Good boy Geo Huey Flow, and Jessica <laughs> <laughs>
2: and Jen. Uh,
1: and we will see you guys uh, in a little bit or next week. And so, in t- one minute. Alrighty then, then, see you guys.
3: Later. <laughs>